Hi, welcome to my podcast, uh, Transform by Renewing Your Mind. Um, today, um, I'm going to be talking about uh, mental health first aid, because I'm a, a UK certified mental health first aider, and my role is to help people who are ill or injured or who are going through a a mental health crisis before they seek professional medical treatment. And the aims of um, why I took on this mental health first aid is to help preserve a life of people who are undergoing a crisis and also to prevent further harm um, for those who have already tried to harm themselves because they're already in a crisis and also to to promote recovery. So everyone wants to reach that point of recovery, especially after they've been through a, a crisis. So as a mental health first aider, I play that role to help people by uh, trying to bring all services together that can help this individual to heal. I also provide comfort to the person who is unwell or in distress or in crisis by definitely giving them advice and information or encouraging them to seek professional advice after that. So the reason why I um, developed this podcast is to put out information out there for anybody who is going through a crisis that it's always good to seek help. You do not have to feel alone when things are going tough for you or struggling with some emotional problems. You know, you've got a chance to seek help, speak to someone. And this is the role of mental health first aiders. We are certified by Mental Health First Aid England. And everything I'm going to be talking about today is all authentic. And you can always give me a chat if you feel that you need further support. So what is mental health first aid? Mental health first aid is a help offered to a person who has developed a mental health issue. They might be experiencing or have worsening mental health issues or they're in a mental health crisis. So what we do is we give appropriate professional help to um, people. We encourage them to seek that professional help while they're in a crisis, at least until um, the professionals appear, you might be speaking to a mental health first aider to just help you to keep you safe, um, to provide or, you know, to prevent your health issue from becoming more serious, uh, to also help you in promoting your recovery for good mental health because that's what we need 
We also provide comfort to a person who might be in a, a mental health crisis. So overall, we're about preserving life where a person may be at risk to harm themselves or others. So mental health first aid will be offered by someone who is not a mental health profession, but rather someone in their person's social network, such as a family or friend or your work colleague or someone working in a public-facing role, like I am, you know, for example, teachers, police officers, employment agencies. So many people are taking up this course. If you are in a person's network, you know, you are likely to meet someone who is going or is undergoing a mental health crisis. So it would be good for you to take up this course. It's, it's very easy. It's just about having that awareness about how you can spot the early signs of mental health issues in somebody, including warning signs of common mental health crisis, how to offer and provide initial help, and how to guide a person towards appropriate treatment. And also guide them to other sources of support or help that are available in the community. So Mental Health First Aid, the course that I took on, it taught me to provide um, help to people, not to diagnose or offer therapy, but it's just to give someone who is experiencing a mental health issue before the profession comes or before they obtain professional intervention. So just like any other first aid, mental health first aiders, we just raise awareness of mental health issues in the community and we also help to reduce stigma and discrimination because as we know that there are many reasons why people do not want to seek help especially when it comes to mental health because of many um, associated associated stigma um, that is related to mental ill health so really people in our communities or in our societies have developed attitudes or discriminatory uh, ways of thinking referring to mental health as a very negative behavior. So stigma may have a number of negative effects on people who are suffering from this disease and this may lead people to hide their difficulties from, for example, family members or from friends. People are often ashamed to discuss mental health issues with family members, friends or teachers or even anyone or even a work colleague. So it is also very common for stigma to hinder people from seeking help. So this is why we raise awareness and tell people that let them not be reluctant to seek treatment or support 
for their mental health issues because their concerns about others you know um is valid or their concerns about whatever they're going on is truly valid and we as mental health first aiders we we are here to help so stigma can lead to exclusion definitely uh people who are suffering mental health health from employment from housing social activities from even having relationships so people with mental health issues can internalize this stigma and they begin to believe that they have all sorts of negative things going on with them so to better understand this experience people with mental health issues in order to help them better it's better to reduce this negative attitude and discrimination that we see in our societies so if you're here and you're listening to this uh podcast maybe you come from africa because i am african as well so i know the negative attitudes that are uh you know are present within our cultures when it comes to mental health but i understand is because people are not well informed you know so when you truly come to understand uh mental health issues and how widespread it is and how common it is you are going to change you know your attitude towards anybody who you see in crisis so there are very many myths you know uh, misunderstanding about mental health issues common myths include you know the idea that people with mental health illnesses are very dangerous or they are cast or it's caused by witchcraft or you know so it's better to avoid them or even people who are suffering the mental health issue might be telling themselves that it's better to avoid seeking treatment and that people can help themselves you know by their power or will power you know and you know they can help themselves through the mental health crisis but sometimes it's hard to get out and people continue to be weaker and weaker so this lack of knowledge may result in people avoiding or even responding to someone with a mental health issue or even avoiding professional help for themselves so as a result people may not know where to seek help or what kind of help might be useful so with greater community awareness that we as mental health first aiders want to do it to you know make you know people um uh, feel better and also understand their their own mental health um is 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 valid and you know they can always feel comfortable seeking professional assistance so all those myths especially that root from you know culture beliefs what we believe in what we've been told about the causes uh the symptoms or what might you do 
when you're suffering a mental health issue it's normally you know people will say that it's a sign of weakness you know um i know that it's it's all myths so really we encourage people to speak to someone seek help go and read about the the illness the symptoms that you have you don't have to be alone in all this i just want to assure you that mental health issues are very common especially depression anxiety and those associated with misuse of alcohol or other drugs so there's a lot of research that indicates that one in four people will experience some form of mental health issue in the course of a year and that is according to world health organization so throughout the course of your life or any person's life it's highly likely that they will develop a mental health you know a mental health uh, issue and that is due to very many factors including grief or loss of a job or betrayal or infidelity or so many things can cause us mental health issue but people keep suffering in silence and yet the statistics show that the prevalence is common in those diseases that we've mentioned about such as anxiety depression panic so please um educate yourself about these illnesses especially we've talked about the causes and we've talked about the symptoms i think when you know the symptoms you're able to actually identify whether it's depression or it's anxiety or it's panic because these are very common and the causes are usually from trauma that we have been through that we've experienced or things that have shocked or shaken our lives that we didn't expect and as usual we all have emotions we all have feelings so if our feelings and emotions are disturbed by those external things that we do not have control over we are going to feel unwell inside of us and then we're going to behave differently and this is basically what it is about you know we see a lot of bereavement and grief causing mental health when you lose a loved one who you have known for many years or when you lose a parent or a child or women having miscarriage or even not having any children you know uh, there there's so many causes of mental health so we shouldn't shy away from speaking about how we feel it's not a weakness it's just an emotion that doesn't have where to go but has decided to settle in your body and you start to feel some type of way so many people with mental health issues don't get adequate treatment because of the stigma that is associated with it and all the myths that is associated with it so me as a mental health profession i need and sorry as a mental health profession i my work here is to help you to guide you and provide you with the information that you need that when that time comes or when you feel unwell 
you do not have to delay seeking treatment because the longer you delay getting help and the support you need, the more it is difficult to recover from it. So please get help or if someone close to you suggests help to see your doctor or your counselor or psychologist, don't start feeling like this is the end of the world that you have become. There are many times that people want to use which we're trying to refrain away from, you know, um, such as mad or crazy or a lunatic, all those terms that discriminate against people who are just going through a crisis. For me, I think it's emotional crisis because I have been through it myself. I've gone through anxiety and I don't think I was crazy at the time. I was just unwell because I had lost someone that I loved so much. So for me, the emotions that I felt were not terming me as someone who is crazy. I was actually just not understanding. Things were not making sense to me. So it doesn't mean that I was hitting anybody or I was harming myself. No, I was just confused about the the feelings and emotions that were going on in my body or in my mind. And hence, my heart started to panic and I, I got palpitations and I couldn't sleep properly and, you know, got lots of acid in my stomach and, you know, I, I just felt unwell and... I didn't have peace at all. But it doesn't mean that I was hitting people or it was, you know, related to witchcraft or anything like that. Because I saw how it progressed. It started with grief and it progressed into anxiety. And thank God it didn't end into depression. But it was panic. You know, I could panic. I could fear. And these are all emotions that we need to educate ourselves about. So just as with accidents and other medical emergencies, assistance is not always available, you know, firsthand for people with mental health issues. It's only available with your physical health. But I think it's a good thing that when we use the sources of help, that are available, we can honestly prevent the onset of further um, dangerous outcomes that might come out when you don't seek help on time. Even though members of the public can, you know, help you, but I think it's up to us, all of us, to educate ourselves to see how we can help somebody who is going through a crisis. Don't mock people. Don't uh, laugh at people because it pushes them farther away from seeking help. So be empathetic, be kind, be compassionate and listen to people when they tell you that they feel a certain type of way. It might be that they are dealing with a very difficult emotion don't call it weakness, uh, like some people say. So this episode is really to act as a first aid for you 
just to make you aware that this illness is very common and the sooner we um, become aware and know how to help people, we are going to save a lot of lives. So people may lack the insight to realize that they need to seek help that is available. Some mental health issues cloud clear thinking and you may be there and you may be struggling to make decisions. So a person experiencing such difficulties may not realize that they need help or that effective help is available because of whatever is going on in the society. So if a person in such a state of distress and they are unable to think clearly about what they should do in this situation, if you're close to that person, you know, you can offer that appropriate help by listening to them and encouraging them to seek appropriate uh, professional help or encourage them to seek other services. It might be that uh, one might be causing the mental health at that minute. It might be that they're going maybe through debt or unemployment or domestic violence. You know, when you listen to someone, when they talk to you before you actually become very judgmental, it does actually help. So I know that most of us may not know how to respond, but I think after listening to this podcast, you know what to do next time when you meet somebody who is going through a crisis. So we do not want to cause further damage. You wouldn't want to see someone you know taking their own life or harming themselves continuously. You know, the same way that we treat spinal injuries or when we cut ourselves with blood uh, flowing all over. Similarly, in mental health crisis or any situation, you as a person present, you may determine, you know, to help this person quickly for them to get help and so that they can recover as well. So I think it is all of us responsibility. I mean, if you're listening to this and you're suffering, I just want to assure you that you are not alone. Um, help is there and just remain calm and confident that you can speak about your feelings and emotions, emotions with somebody who you trust or with your own doctor or with your own counselor or with your own pastor if you go to a church. So it's always good to talk about these feelings that are happening in our mind. So I'm more familiar with anxiety because I uh, I know I suffered that firsthand. I'm no longer suffering it because I, I helped myself with definitely use of medication and uh, use of many strategies that helped me to heal myself out of um, that short-term difficult time of my life. Uh, if I didn't receive help on time, 
maybe it would have been a different story. So I just want to assure you that when it comes to anxiety or uh, panic, everybody experiences it at some point. So anxiety is just a natural response. So to understand it better, it's just about we help ourselves to just avoid dangerous situations and to motivate ourselves to uh, manage everyday problems. The problems we've talked about, such as bereavement, miscarriage, or loss of a job or a loved one, or infidelity or domestic violence, living with someone who is cheating on you all the time, or is mistreating you, or a business partner who has stolen from you, or a work colleague who is tormenting you, and stuff like that. So when we keep ourselves in that state of worry, you know, that is when we start, you know, experiencing anxiety. It can vary from severity, you know, to mild, depending on how long you're staying in that situation, actually, that is triggering these emotions. So anxieties can be very severe, if not quarterly, and it is something that you can speak about with your doctor. But if it left untreated, it can be very long-lasting and it can interfere with your work or relationships. So when this gets to that time, when you feel that you can't relate with people, you want to be left alone. So many people with these disorders don't realize that they are treatments. So please just know that there's always something you can use to help yourself to have a better life. Nobody wants to feel anxious. It's not a good feeling. I've experienced it and I don't wish it on anybody. But I just want to go through the general symptoms of anxiety and how do they manifest themselves. And they do usually manifest themselves in the physical, in the psychological and in the behavior. So... In the physical, in your body, because of the problems that you have experienced, such as, let's say, grief or bereavement or loss of a loved one or job or anything, you're going to start feeling very worried and scared. And then all of a sudden, you start feeling palpitations or chest pain or your heart will start beating rapidly Um, or you have like hot flashes. So... Other people might experience shortness of breath uh, or dizziness or headaches or sweating or tingling or numbness. So you might experience choking, dry mouth, nausea, vomiting or urinary frequency, going to the toilet all the time or even diarrhea, gastrointestinal problems. They're very common with anxiety, lots of acid and um, constipation or diarrhea. When you see that your gut is not working properly, you might start feeling awesome. You just feel that butterfly feeling all the time. You might also experience in the physical uh, muscle aches and pains, 
especially in the neck area or shoulder or lower back. You might find yourself very restless. You might have tremors and shakes and and all that in the physical body because anxiety will manifest in the physical body. So it's up to you or educate yourself about how you feel. Do a body scan and see how you feel. Where's your pain? Where's, you know, uh, just find out why your heart is skipping or why you're dizzy, why you have a headache, especially headaches uh, in the front or migraines. Uh, I was never a person who has headaches, but I used to have headaches all the time and Many people used to say, oh, it's migraines and then take paracetamol. It was all stress-related headaches. So not all headaches, by the way, are related to anxiety. But still, this is why it's very important to speak to your doctor so that they can do further tests to rule out any other dangerous uh, things because also anemia is related to headaches. So you might be thinking, oh, I'm just anxious then it might be that you don't have enough blood. Uh, so don't take headaches very lightly, especially if they uh, long they take longer. Actually, even high blood pressure um, manifests sometimes in headaches. So speak to your doctor, speak to your um, um, anybody who is who treats you about these issues. So the psychological effects that you might experience when you have anxiety, uh, unrealistic and excessive fear, worry about especially the past and the future. It's normally not the present. When we are anxious, we rarely think about what we have in the present or in now. We thoughts very much lay in the past or in the future and also you might find that your mind's racing or going blank you might find that you don't have focus you've decreased your concentration and memory you're becoming very forgetful you have difficulty making decisions you're irritable impatient and very angry at very um, small things, you know, you just get angry for nothing. Maybe if you have children, you might find yourself very much shouting at them and not being able to cope with their behavior. And yet they are just children. You might also feel confusion, uh, restlessness or feeling on the edge all the time. That nervousness feeling of sensing something might happen or you feel a sense of doom you just find yourself in that state of restlessness you might not sit down in one place you just want to keep busy um, a person who is anxious psychologically they would not be able to rest or relax so you just want to get up all the time not sitting in one place uh, I know that for sure because I've been there. Uh, you're going to feel tired. You're going to sleep. You're going to feel sleep disturbances. I think one of the things that I really experienced that really used to annoy me a lot was 
you know, going to bed, struggling to fall asleep. And then when I do, I would wake up and I'm looking at the clock and it's 12 o'clock. And I've literally just slept for one hour or two hours. And then I have to look or stay awake until morning. And yet I have to work and have kids to look after. So it was not a nice feeling for me. So sleep disturbance is one of the things. Don't take the lack of sleep lightly. It might be that you're worried about something. Uh, You might experience very vivid dreams, very scary nightmares, waking you up from sleep. Like everything is just so scary in terms of your dreams. You dream about all the bad things happening to you. So because your mind or you're undergoing very much distorted thinking, your brain and the dreams that are going to come out of there, they're not going to be very pleasant for you. Uh, So this is not all witchcraft. It's to do with your psychological formation. So don't attach anything to, or somebody has sent some things for you and stuff like that. Like we want to always believe in our culture. So there was also unwanted or unpleasant repetitive thoughts. Those negative intrusive thoughts very much happen. You fail to switch off completely. You're jumping from one thought to another. Uh, And thoughts might just come to you intrusively. You didn't invite them and they come and then they might make you very distressed and then you start hearing or sorry you you start experiencing your you know palpitations because you've taken a lot of time thinking about this thought that has really like scared you and all so what are the behavior are effects how do you how might you behave when you have anxiety so one is to avoid situations You might find yourself avoiding people. You might find yourself, you know, switching off from social media, not wanting to speak to anybody. Um, I think isolation is one of the things you hate people. You just hate people's opinions. You just don't want to speak to anyone. You cannot take in conversations with people. And also you have that, repetitive compulsive behavior eggy just excessive checking maybe the doors or the phone or you might be just checking to see that things are okay and then you might find yourself that you're seeking reassurance continuously from people and if the people are not very well um educated about your symptoms they might find it very uh, irritating for you to always seek assurance from them you're always asking people whether you're okay whether they see what you see you know it's it's just anxiety is just um, I mean I can't explain it unless you experience it yourself and if you're doing if you're experiencing it you know that it's very uncomfortable it's it's one of the discomfort um, experiences that I've gone through. It's just feeling that 
you know, you behave in a certain way. Your relationships might be strained. People might not want to talk to you because of the way you behave, especially if they don't have awareness of this. So it's helpful to just know about the symptoms of anxiety, especially if you have been um, or you have experienced a very traumatic experience. So anxiety would come out maybe after bereavement or loss, depending on how you've accepted or denied or pushed away or clinged onto the situation. So when we, I don't want to use the word refuse or when we decline to let go of what has happened to us, we either cling or push away. And while we're doing that, we are actually causing some, um, you know, uh, damage to our physical, psychological, and behavior. So letting go is one of the things that we need to do. I think in the cycle of grief, um, it's the last stage of when we accept the things that have happened to us that we then find meaning and healing. But while we are still going through the cycle, you know, from shock to anger, to regret, to blame, to shame, to depression, we are experiencing lots of emotions there and our mind our bodies can only handle so much. So you can self-assess the levels of anxiety in your daily life, depending on the troubles that you're going through. You know them, you know things that keep you awake at night. But if you don't deal with them, if you don't talk about them, they might start manifesting in the physical in the psychological and in your behavior. So you want to do a little self-assessment to find out how am I feeling? So just this question might start answering your questions and finding out have you felt keyed up or on the edge lately? Have you been worrying about something a lot? Have you been irritable? Have you had any difficulty relaxing? Have you been sleeping poorly? Have you had headaches or neck pains and aches in your shoulders? Have you had any trembling or tingling or dizzy spells or sweating or going to the toilet very frequently, you know, both number one and two? Have you been worried about your health? This is very common for people with anxiety to worry about that they have a you know a health issue and the worst place to go is Dr. Google and immediately you type in your symptoms webmed will bring we all sorts of things i mean at one time it told me i had this and that and that is the worst mistake that any anxious person can do is to ask Dr. Google about your symptoms. It's going to 
over exaggerate them and you do not want to go down that road knowing that you might have a brain tumor or you might have a heart problem when you put because your heart is palpitating so have you had any difficulties falling asleep and staying asleep so because a normal person is meant to sleep between 7 to 8 hours according to scientific research so if you're finding yourself sleeping less it might be that you're anxious about some things so some people will have a number of symptoms uh, but you can score yourself and see that uh if you've got more than maybe four of the symptoms there's more likelihood that you're experiencing disruption in your daily life so about 12% of adults get a score of 8 or more than this on the scale so a person with high score may have what they call anxiety disorder so and this is where it becomes really hard because a person may then develop generalized anxiety disorder and the main symptoms are very overwhelming anxiety and worry and those worries are always commonly about things that may go wrong or one's inability to cope and it's usually to do with money or health family and work or even the signs of trouble happening to you so people with generalized anxiety disorders experience physical psychological and symptoms of anxiety and tension more days than those with at least one and it's if it goes on for a period of maybe more than 6 months this type of anxiety is very difficult to control so the earlier the better it takes us back to the importance of you seeking help much earlier so that you do not want your anxiety to develop into a generalized anxiety disorder whereby you're going to be experiencing you know fast or pounding heart or headaches or stomach pains tremors muscles aches tension and inability to relax it's all but this is going to be felt pretty much every day and you might find that it's going to affect the way you relate to other people or associate to the people it might isolate you in your own home you start fearing going outside and meeting other people so also you are going to feel the psychological symptoms you know very highly and excessively especially worry irritability restlessness and feeling on the edge so generalized anxiety disorder can make it very difficult for people to concentrate at work so that means you might lose your job or even function at home you might lose your family or your kids you might not be able to look after your children and also get on with life
So when symptoms of this illness have been present for a while, you might also start displaying some behavior, which is definitely connecting to how you make decisions, how you continuously seek reassurance from other people concerning everyday matters that you cannot you know depend on your own to make decisions so you don't want things to go worse because when not treated anxiety still can become a you know panic disorder it can turn into phobias it can turn into acute stress disorder so and then PTSD which is post traumatic stress disorder so we do not want to you know end this way or have a person reach to this state because in this state you're going to be fully dependent on maybe medication or therapies or having psychological sessions with your psychology and then you're going to be maybe diagnosed with other forms of disorders such as obsessive compulsive disorders that it's OCD uh, it's very disabling condition you're very obsessed and you've got these compulsive thoughts and behavior that accompany your feelings of anxiety and it's usually to do with recurrent thoughts or impulses or images that you cannot dispel and it's always to do with maybe cleanliness you're always like very clean because you fear contamination and then you have mixed anxiety and depression many people with this kind of problem don't fit neatly into a particular type of anxiety disorder but it's common for people to have some features of severe anxiety disorder so it's very high level of anxiety over a very long period of time which then normally leads into depression and prolonged periods of depression can also bring about symptoms of anxiety still and many people who have mixture of anxiety and depression can you know um, find it hard to leave normalize so risk factors of anxiety the ones we've talked about um, which could lead you to definitely panic phobias or CD mixed anxieties phobias are you fear many things you know going out or heights or bugs or flying animals or anything and you that can prevent you it's very very disabling to have such illness so you do not want to get to that point the earlier the better you seek help so the risk factors or these are the factors that might cause anxiety and each one is usually genetics a history of anxiety in a close family member someone is anxious it might make you feel anxious as well, especially parents with our children, you know, and you might be one person who feels very 
sensitive uh, you see the world as very threatening or you might have a history of much shyness in childhood or adolescence and then you develop social anxiety disorder or persistent or ongoing stress or extreme stress it might stem from a relationship or domestic violence or uh, mistreatment at work or discrimination or racism or anything that you experience on a daily basis that is going to cause you extreme stress and also adverse experiences in childhood including unsupported bereavement when you're a child if there was loss or lack of care or neglect or abuse in any form it could be sexual abuse physical abuse financial abuse or emotional abuse uh, poverty uh, poor education and social disadvantage uh, people who have grown up in very extreme poverty might experience anxiety because of worry about what they might eat tomorrow or how they're going to go to school or might be worrying about how you're going to educate your children and you don't have money or how you're going to feed your family so all these things cause anxiety so also if you are a victim of crime or death or serious illness in your family or you had a near miss accident or you were bullied at school or at work or you were victimized or you separated or divorced so also having another mental health issue is a risk factor for anxiety or having uh, a physical healthy issue but also they say that anxiety symptoms can also result from some medical conditions such as hypothyroidism lack of vitamin b12 when you have that deficiency or seizures or heart conditions such as arrhythmia respiratory or lung conditions such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease um copd which is due to mainly people who are smokers have that disease and it might be from side effects of certain prescription drugs or use or misuse of alcohol and drugs and non-prescription drugs including caffeine or nicotine amphetamines or cocaine or cannabis or ecstasy you know all those psychoactive substances that can cause that disease so it's good to stay away from drugs and alcohol when you feel any symptoms of anxiety it can also come from withdrawal symptoms from maybe alcohol or prescription or non-prescription drugs are including cocaine or sedative drugs or anxiety medication like diazepam or valium which has been given to you so if you withdraw from that drug you might feel anxious so please read or educate yourself about substance misuse it's to do with prescribed prescribed 
or non-prescribed drugs. So it's not good to pres- just prescribe yourself drugs because when you come off them, it might be that you're going to feel anxious. So some people may develop ways of reducing their anxiety and those causes you know, further problems. So for example, people with phobias avoid anxiety-provoking situations. This avoidance reduces their anxiety in a short term but it can limit their lives in very many important ways if you for example have phobias for driving on a motorway or a very highway uh, a very highway yes or you have fear of heights and bridges and mountains you might find that you're going to miss out on all the fun maybe to go with your friends or you have fear of flying you might be that you're never going to go and visit another family member or you're never going to go to another country. Similarly, people with compulsions, um, you can reduce your interactions because you carry out things or you've got these repetitive acts of doing things such as checking or just washing hands all the time because you think you're uh, contaminated. This might stop you from receiving visitors at home or going to people's homes because you think you're going to be contaminated. So we've seen of this kind of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder during the COVID pandemic, where people think that they have caught the, um, the, 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 the infection, yet they haven't. So they've stayed indoors and it's even made it worse because isolation or loneliness can also be a risk factor for anxiety. So we don't want to have all these problems because if they're left or if they become longer term, they are likely to cause higher levels of anxiety. Um, yeah. So... Finding yourself in those repetitive behaviors or you're engaging in repetitive behavior, it might be very hard for you to um, heal yourself from anxiety. I do not want to talk about much of what we first aiders do, but when you talk to me, I can guide you and encourage you to seek medical assistance or also um, encourage you or give support and information and encourage you to get appropriate professional help I said but also it's not enough it could give you information uh, to yourself you know and, and support you that you do not feel like this is your problem or this is your fault So we mental health first aiders are very non-judgmental. We treat people with respect and dignity. We we have realistic expectations for you. We offer consistent emotional support and understanding. And we give you hope for recovery. And we also provide practical help and offer information that is going to guide you in this journey that you have found yourself into you didn't call this on yourself always remember that 
it's very common to feel that way so let's jump to quickly to the strategies to help you so you can start reading self-help books you can identify worries or those pessimistic thoughts that have come in the automatic thoughts just become aware of them and find ways to overcome phobia or fears because when you avoid those phobias it's just short term remember that self-help is hard but you can do the work and if successful you can heal yourself so panic can be treated you know with self-management techniques reduce caffeine intake take regular exercise engage in leisure time and pleasurable activities get adequate sleep and practice relaxation strategies uh, muscle relaxations get massages or imagery techniques and also practice mindfulness as it is a form of meditative practice that teaches you to focus on living non-judgmentally in the present moment so mindfulness is one of the things that forms that part of newer psychological therapy approaches that people are using today but also use complementary therapies like acupuncture or massage use creative expressions such as writing journaling or drawing or painting art engaging with music it's very helpful talking about anxiety with other people uh this will also promote your well being so do not allow to suffer alone there is help out there and i hope that you seek it when you need to i have a whatsapp group i have a facebook page and i have instagram so you can always look for me and give me a a message and i'll guide you more because i'm a mental health first aider for everybody it's not only england but i can also help anyone that i come across either on the road or on social media because we normally don't meet people anyway but we meet them on social media so hello me and i'll be able to help you you take care of yourself bye